he's like, he's like, yeah. This drive, it's yeah. like it's, it's like, like Rogue One, yeah. It's the resistance, He's like giving them yeah. the drive. Oh, get Jesus, episode 72, <laughs> just run with it. The sirens are on our end, <laughs> the sirens are on our end, the sirens are on our end. The resistance, <laughs> the resistance. <laughs> <laughs> I think your water tastes different here. I feel what like way does it taste different? I don't know. Like, like, not there's nothing wrong with your water, yeah. but I think like I think you do have tea. to let the tap run uh, quite a while because I I will hold it and it will be tepid for a good twenty seconds. I mean, I did boil this, but I feel like the tea. Is I think because not... we're on the third floor, I'm basically waiting for all the water to, that's been sitting in yeah. the pipe to essentially go, and then I want the fresh water from the, the other pipe. Yeah. It's an okay tea, but I think I think that's what I've learned. You've always had a problem with the tea. Here, have yeah. I? Yeah, you've always had a problem with that. But I feel like but the, the thing is, it's not a problem. I think it's more of an observation. I think I think sure. it's not your fault. It's You're maybe, not happy. maybe it's the water. <laughs> you know what it is? I've learned recently about tea is that because I really do think about it. Mm. Really, if you're going to drink something, it occupies so little of my mind. I like a green tea. I nah. very rarely drink a breakfast tea. I'll have a rooibos <sighs> if I'm away. If you're going to have a breakfast tea, if you're going to have to drink something three, four times a day. You want Are it you to three, perfect. four times a day with tea? I'm probably, I'm at the moment, probably max three. Right, okay. Two in the morning, maybe one in the Coffee matters to me way more. Right, okay. But but well, but you would appreciate this as a connoisseur of yes, coffee, right? Yeah. Well, a connoisseur, tea, just I appreciate it. Well, exactly. But for tea, for me, it was equal value. I would value coffee in the same way, but coffee is such a, like, a strong effect on me that I really can't yeah, drink you don't a lot need of it. it. You guys have seen what George is like. <laughs> with People tea, are assuming you're like dripping espresso into your no. eye right before we record, but you're not. With, uh, with tea, I've noticed that this is going to sound massively like like snobby thing but mm. i have noticed that if you drink it out of a china mug it tastes so much better oh uh, really? i think it's got something to do with the uh the, the way physics with the heat the, the absorption of heat yes yeah the ceramic absorbs a lot of your heat yes and i've noticed i just it's just one of those stupid things where like i i, I tried it i had some tea my, my i i did my flatmate had some china mugs i didn't i made a tea out of his mugs and they tasted fantastic mm. and my mugs were fine but every so well, every time I drank it out of his, I'd be like, why is this tasting so much I better? I think that's true for so many things. Like, people talk about... The way it conducts drink. heat. That's what I meant to say. The way it yeah. conducts heat. And like the way like drink, certain drinks taste better out of a glass bottle. Or mm. I, I really like the way... Because the way that conducts temperature. Right. I really like the way that peach iced tea tastes out of a metal can. Yes. That the metallic uh, sharpness to it adds yeah. an extra... And like cans are cold to hold, which yeah. is a whole other experience when you're drinking something. Yeah. When you pick it up and the condensation like collects around your fingers... Yeah. It's part of it. I re- rarely, when you make it in a china mug, the tea, you can see the steam billowing out the top very elegantly. Mm, but when you yeah. make it in a ceramic, it's kind of been absorbed. And I try and heat the mug before. Ha- okay, I'm going to tell you my. Yeah. I'm going to just go on. How does George make a cup of tea? We've go just on. stumbled in on me. Everyone, take about notes, pen and paper. Because I like tea. Also, I say this kind of semi-jokingly. Like, if someone makes me a cup of tea, I'll still drink it. But ladies and gentlemen, George Pundek, the master class, the perfect cup of tea. I'm going to teach you how to do. So, and I'm just talking now because we're talking about everyday tea. Good afternoon. My name is George Pundek. Sorry, I'm going to be doing just a tea bag in some water, right? A breakfast tea. Because that's how how you normally have it, right? Of course, we want to do leaf and loose leaf tea in a pot. Fantastic. Yeah. We're just talking about tea bag in a mug. First of all, you boil that water. You fucking boil it. And before it boils, as, it, as it's getting warmer and warmer and warmer, you take a little bit of that water, you put it in the mug, you put the kettle back, back on the boil, mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. swirl that water around the mug. You warm that mug up. You get that mug nice and warm. Mm. You pour that water away. You don't want away. your tea water cooling to no, warm no, the mug. That, yeah. The kettle's boiling, yeah. and the, the, mug is now, the mug is now warm, which mm. is great. So you pour the water away. 
the water in the kettle boils, you pour that onto the tea bag. You know, glug, 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 click, no delay. Yeah, yeah. Pour it in. Boiling. Get it in there. Leave a little bit of room at the top. And you do the three S's. Number one, you let it sit. You let that tea sit. You let that sit there with the tea bag. You let it, you know, sit and brew. Mm. Number two, after however long you need it to be, depending on your strength. What's your brew time? I would say you want to balance strength and temperature because temperature is key. So I, you want it to be piping hot, but you don't want it to be too tepid. So I would give it probably two minute brew. Mm-hmm. In that time, I will also give it a stir, the second S. Okay, yeah. put the teaspoon. Give it a little stir. Stir. That's fine. When you're satisfied that it has a good hearty color, mm-hmm. that is when you put your milk in. Some people put the milk in, then take the bag out. So I, I personally do the third S, which is squeeze, squeeze the tea bag, then remove that, then put the tea in sparingly, little by little. You know, nothing's worse than when you've made a good cup of tea and, then you pour, and the milk just falls in. You've got, I'm over milk. Yeah, yeah. That's it. And then you should have a nice hot A lot of tea, tea and I, had to, I had to think about this story because at work, I make my tea all the way downstairs and I sit on a different floor upstairs. So right. if I'm not careful, by the time I go and sit down, after I've chit-chatted with people and all that stuff, sit down She's my desk, cold. tepid tea. You, you, and, should you get one of those hot mugs that keeps warm? Yes, and I've also come around on microwaving tea, not to make tea, but to actually microwaving tea to keep it, to revive it or to just make it sure it's optimum temperature is fine because all you're essentially doing is just moving the particles around. I think my process is very similar. I like a, I like a, like a three-minute brew, close to four if I can justify it, yeah. you know, timing and things. So I've been again, I don't drink tea every day if, if at all in a week. Um, a lot of people say you shouldn't squeeze the tea bag. Why is that? Is it because it releases... I think you're releasing things. They're like straining things through a thing that aren't necessarily meant to have come out. Hmm. <laughs> you were flying too close to the sun. I disagree. Uh, I've spoken to people whose client was Yorkshire Tea, uh-huh. and they do not advise that you squeeze the tea bag. It's like a marketing person. It, is it like stresses the tea? Yeah, it's it's like some I don't know something to do with like you're squeezing something out when it should like yeah, but, ooze. But you but, know what? I, yeah, I don't think you should squeeze it straight away. <laughs> but I think maybe after it's brewed, just get that little bit of love. But you know, there's yeah. nothing worse than I've seen people you know making tea, which is like water in. Bag in. Milk first? Milk in straight away, yeah. bag out. And you'll basically, mm. you, the water, it's, it's, it's not even tea. It, it's mm. hot water flavored with a little bit of tea herb and, mm. and, and milk. I did a shoot recently with an etiquette expert. It looks, sorry, it looks like a sink after you finish yes. washing your face. It's horrible. Yeah. The, the, the tea never brews properly when you've left it in milk. I, I can't even. I did a shoot with a royal etiquette expert. And mm. they, he did a lot of uh, myth busting and sort of set the ground rules for how it's meant to be done. And okay. I was very sort of affirmed. Did you tell that, me that? Well, it's uh, jam scones. It's fat, then sweet. Yes, so you do your the, cream, the Devon like, way. Yeah, it makes Devon, sense. The same then, way you would butter first. The same you're, yeah. no, neither ways are wrong. No. Apparently, Her Royal Majesty the Queen would quite enjoy the discussion of which to go first, but really, like, no nonsense. It's fat. And okay. then, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and then great tea was, yeah, you, it's, it's it, water, no milk first. No, no, God, no. Because you scorch the milk. That's the risk you run by doing it that way. And and also you you can't quantify it that way. Optimum tea making scenario, of course, Mm. would be China pot. The China China mugs, not the small dainty China mugs. Those are too small. I like nice proper breakfast. mugs. Yeah, but you. I mean, I went to a. Oh, sorry, we've really gone niche here. I love it. But one of my favourite experiences I ever had. Popped into a tea room in Devon. Not by book. Didn't book it. Was yeah. on the way somewhere. Just popped in, and it was like the first cafe we found. And I'm talking. It was had the doily on the table, that mm, kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, they came out and they gave us the tea and they gave a huge china pot of tea yes. and a huge china pot of hot water with a beautiful like bent snout like yes, a swan's absolutely. neck and inside of course was loose leaf tea yeah and so they give you the hot water to top it up if you want mm. 
And they were like, I'm so sorry, I'm afraid all the fruit scones have, have run out today, but we are about to bake some normal plain scones, if those be acceptable for you. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, That'd yeah. Uh, honestly, it was a, a great moment of my life. And I'm not saying that, I'm not a snob or whatever. I'm not, I know it sounds like, yeah, sounding, yeah. talking about tea and stuff sounds like hoity-toity, but no. I always, like I said, if you're going to drink something this much, for something that is also beautifully simple, that's what I do yes. like about tea. It's just, you know, plant, Water, There's nothing wrong with that. being particular, but then no, discern it. Yeah, just make it yourself. Like know how you like to make it. Like I really I like to make my own coffee at home. Yes, it's not because like I don't trust my girlfriend to make me a coffee. Yeah. I'm the one that usually wakes up and makes us coffee, just because like yeah. I need to see how I measure it in my milk to, it's to a coffee hobby. ratio. Yeah, it, you know what making a coffee is. Making a coffee is like it's like making something for the first thing you do with your day. Like, mm. I know you can get really yes. into it. It's like, I've actually created something that I'm going to consume that looks beautiful, smells beautiful. Yeah. When you have, well, I don't have a machine like this because I don't have the space for it, but I would love to get a machine with all the bells and whistles where you get your own beans, they're ground right then mm. and there. You get the little circular thing and you, and it's like, I've built something and Tap created it. it all my way. And now I get to drink it and it like lifts you up. It has yeah. this like incredible yeah. neurological effect on you. It's fantastic. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I, I sometimes go to sleep excited for my coffee in the morning, which I is... Know, me so, too. I love my tea in the morning. Yeah, I literally go to bed like, oh my God, I get to have a coffee. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. yeah. And what I don't... And people at work, you know, the, 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 people can, can and do and have made me tea, which is fine. Yeah. But I always say to people, like, it's not just I want a beverage. I would yeah. like to use a five-minute window to get up from my desk, yeah. to walk downstairs... To select it's all the it's the ser- it's the ritual we need yes. rituals the humans uh, you know you know you and I are getting an early morning train on Tuesday yeah I am excited to buy a coffee and have my coffee on the train and yeah. I'll be heading somewhere it doesn't matter because I'll have my like cozy coffee now and that, I'll drink it yeah that is very interesting because and it's like tea consumption a, isn't the same thing because no, getting a tea from a train station very different better than it used to be yeah but it's, it's not still quite as glamorous the, the, the paper cup does not do Conduce, the tea, doesn't no. con- conduct a completely different experience. Um, yeah, and that will be, the quality of the coffee is different. I'll probably go for like a, a Starbucks iced coffee, which to me is just a different brand of coffee. Yeah. It's still coffee, but it's like, it's not the same when someone like makes me a beautiful flat white, yeah. but I'll just have it yeah. and it will be there and I'll be on my way and my brain will be waking up with me as the world passes by. You'll want to take a picture of it with yeah, the background me, in it, like Instagram 2014. Big day, literally. Well, um, sorry. Hi, guys. <laughs> hey, everyone. That Welcome. Was like maybe eight minutes of, of just us of discussion. <laughs> we are um, so sorry. Uh, we are uh, in episode 76. Uh, James and I are 76. It is 76, and we're just chatting away. We've got a couple of things to talk about today. We do. Uh, we've been watching. I think we'll just get into that and um, crack on, shall we? Before you do, did okay. you see that there's a potential Dodgeball, t- dodgeball 2 yes. coming out? Yes, I did see that. Vince Vaughn returning, but Ben Stiller, question Apparently mark? Apparently not 100% on the Ben Stiller, probably, which it can't, you can't do it without... Wasn't it his film? Did he direct it? Or did he direct it? Or did he write it? He might have been, it might be like a devised I, feel, I by... see that as a Ben Stiller film, yeah. not a Vince Vaughn film. No. But it is, Vince Vaughn wasn't Very much, character. yes. But uh, Ben Stiller is... Uh, I've never seen him do anything quite like that ever again. <laughs> what a film. And it's one of those uh, sort of sort of noughties comedy, beloved cult classic comedy films that should probably have had like its belated sequel, like a Zoolander, like an Anchorman. Yeah, and it hasn't. And now, but now, now it's getting it. And I'm... Very belated. Do you know what? I, my first instinct was, fuck yeah, let's do it. We'd love more Dodgeball. But the more I think about it, I don't know if no. you can capture that spirit again. It's or if so it early noughties. And I, did, I wouldn't want it to be rushed. And it was so funny for its time. It's so layered. I quite enjoy Vince Vaughn's later, less comedic roles. Yeah. You know, the true detective. Yeah. And, <laughs> well, I mean, I mean his no, character. I know what you mean. He's, he's done... 
I haven't seen Brawl in Cell 99. But he did he, a very... He, acted, he, was he did a lot of this... Uh, he did similar comedic roles in the North, in the noughties. Yeah. And then, yeah. I, liked, still, I, liked I still like Vince stuff. Vaughn as an actor. Which one, yeah. That's not how he talks. He's great in... No, it's not He's great in Curb. He's great in Curb. He's great in... Um, Wedding Crashers, he's really funny. Oh, yeah, that's the other one, isn't it? Crikey. They're gonna God, make... They never did a Wedding Crashers 2. Which Not, yet. Does... Not yet. Not yet, James. Will. Everything, will, everything has its time. It will come. The cash cow's coming in. Dodgeball's another uh, sleepover special. You could put that on. Everyone's having a good Endless time. Endlessly quotable. Yeah. No one makes There's a guy on our blood. team dressed like a pirate. <laughs> so let's review Polite Society, which is this film that kind of came out of nowhere and really caught my attention for being getting a lot of... Bit of a, I've been pushed it a lot on social mm-hmm. media, but it's kind of got uh, no recognizable talent that, that I could see apart from one or two actors from um, TV stuff in it. Okay. So, that, which I always find really intriguing. I know some people might go, well, I'm not going to see this, it hasn't got anyone in, but I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, this looks like, uh, you know, it's getting pushed to me a lot, but I, I'm intrigued because it's got, I'm unfamiliar yeah. with, with, with this territory. Anyway, Polite Society was kind of, it got its premiere in uh, Sundance at the beginning of the year, and now it's getting. Um, released uh, more, more widely. I think it's already come out in the States um, and it's just been released in the UK. How to describe Polite Society? It is a feminist action martial arts coming of age comedy. Right, okay. About a British Pakistani... Any more genres you want yeah, to throw in there? <laughs> uh, about a British Pakistani uh, teenager who is suspicious of her sister, who's an artist's relationship, new relationship with a wealthy young man. Okay. And... Um, yeah, so we it's it's set in Shepherd's Bush, and the film is filmed in a kind of uh, kind of hyper real style in the sense that you will have moments of normal uh, nor, uh, normality that will slide seamlessly into a kung fu action scene, and mm-hmm. someone will throw someone through a, win- a wood- wooden sirens on iron. Thank you. Someone will throw someone through a wooden door, and it will be brushed off like it's nothing. And it's like, oh, this is clearly invoking you know martial arts movies. Yeah. And- um, and uh, it's got, you know, big, bold, very sort of like genre B-movie uh, font that says polite society. Mm. And, you know, when, when people square off against each other, it's like, it says Khan versus Khan. And um, so it follows uh, Rhea, who is this uh, uh, teenager I mentioned. She, she wants to be a stuntwoman with, with her life as well. And she's growing up in a, like I said, British Pakistani household. And I think what, what's interesting about uh, polite society is that it is uh, like refreshingly different. It's vibrant and it and it's full of energy and it's really like uh, gutsy. Um, that also slightly runs out of steam. Okay. So, um, uh, like I said, she she's 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 living at home and she she's got this sister who's an uh, an artist that she 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 loves dearly and and her sister helps her film video content for her YouTube channel, which is her doing stunts and stuff. And there's some really nice. Um, uh, skewering of uh, South Asian stereotypes in terms of the role of women and career expectations. You know, the, the, um, there's she, every time someone says to her that you can go have your work experience at the, at the school that she attends, they say, well, you, you can do your work experience at the doctor. She's like, doctors, like, I don't want to be a doctor. She really resents this, this stereotype. And um, similarly, the sort of role of the south asian auntie or a matriarchal figure is really sent up in this and um the first thing i want to say about what i really liked is that ria as a central character is really great she's really like just so uh 
Punchy's obviously obvious. She's martial arts first. But like, she's really, really um, passionate and confident, but also has her uncertainties and her, and her anxieties. And she like loves her sister. And she, she, does, she just really doesn't like the fact that her sister, who's this sort of tortures artist, has met this person, this boyfriend, and is just like, it's given her a whole new lease of life. The whole family loves it, but Rhea really can't stand it. And, and, th- and there's this kind of undercurrent of sadness, which is like, it's because you can't grow up with the fact that your sister is growing away from, growing apart from you and it's actually mm. like, you know, in, in a relationship with someone else. And that's really nice undercurrent. And she's played by this newcomer called Priya Kinsara. And she's been in a couple of like TV bits, a bit of some Netflix stuff like Bridgerton. But like, she's such a joy to watch. I was like, I'm so, I'm, I'm really enjoying watching your presence on, on the screen. Mm. And uh, she gives Rhea like such, she's so entertaining. I was like, she's great. I was like, this, this, Priya Kansara is just holding this thing together. It's fantastic. And I really can't wait to see her in other stuff. Um, it's it, it, like, it's got this kind of good, funny sense of humor. There's this good few, there's good few funny lines in there and stuff. There's a bit where, you know, Rhea says to um, her father, like, how can you let this, this marriage happen? Because, you know, it sort of builds towards a, a marriage very quickly between the sister and the, uh, and the new boyfriend. And it's like the skewing of arranged marriages. And the father says, it's not an arranged marriage. We've just, you know, outsourced the search for a romantic partner to a consultancy that happens to be run by us. And in that search, we've... And, that's, and it's really funny and, and, and nice. They, um, the film, like, quickly will slide into other genres, like I said. But, like, for example, it just... There's a middle section where they're like, we're going to do a heist now. And you're like, uh, okay, sure. And she's got these two friends, one of whom is played by... Uh, Ella Bro- Broccoleri, who is so funny as just, just one of those people who like, as soon as they walk into the room, they're funny. Mm. She has this great comedic presence and I was enjoying all the moment um, that she was in it. Um, what to say that, I, the thing is when I said about Runs Out of Steam is that you've got all that stuff in it, which is great. And it's working away. Like, okay, this is this is fine. And like I said, hyper stylized. She goes to this school where they're all wearing these like bright blood red smocks and they've all got red backpacks. You're like, okay. Sometimes I would say the balance between, uh, you know, how to when it goes hyper real, hyper stylized, and actually like being grounded is sometimes a little bit shaky. But like ultimately, that's fine. It it does get silly, which is fine. It's kind of with the territory. If you're bringing in other genres, that's okay. Like that whole high sequence, it's a bit silly, but it's kind of fun. Mm. Um, and then in the third act, the film goes, yeah, now we're going to do this, and you go, oh, okay. I thought we were going to do like a film about family that uh, invokes and brings in a little bit of genre stuff here and there, but you've decided to go for a huge genre switch in the third act, and we're now going to do that. And I was like, okay, that Not quite is... Not Well, it's just not as interesting. I, yeah. I think, I think I, I, it's, you almost felt like saying to it, I was like, oh, you didn't actually have to do that. You, you didn't have to do the slightly generic approach. You could have stuck with what you were doing with the family stuff. Mm. And instead, you get a kind of less interesting version, which leans into... The most interesting way you could kind of read the third act without spoiling about it is that it is a very funny articulation and skewering of a very particular South Asian stereotype right. that they've rendered through a particular genre. And I, and, I, and I was like, yes, on paper, that's a funny joke. Okay. But I was, uh, I was like, this has just made this a different film now. And it's actually less interesting because it's not about the people anymore. It's not about the family dynamic. It's kind of trying to be off a bit. Into, a, into like a blockbuster, um, which is a shame. But, uh, and I think, so, so it runs out of steam. It's a little bit silly, but it's kind of interesting enough to hold your attention. It does that thing, which I, I don't like that a couple of British films do when they try and be hyper stylized, which is... Be, end up being quite american 
And there's, right. for example, there's a scene in it that, towards the end of the film where um, Rhea and her sister are in a diner. And it's like, I'm talking like those long, uh, you know, cylindrical metal American yes. diners you get. Yeah. And they've got a milkshake and they've got a burger. And I'm like, I get that this is kind of like stylized and cinematic and stuff. But I'm like, for a film that begins as being like Shepherd's Bush, mm. London... I thought this. Is, I, was like, I don't know it. anywhere in London that's like that. I don't know no. a single place. They're it, always like a ironic themed yes. diners. Like Ed's Diner used to be a thing, right? In the UK. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if they're still around, but and I and I, and I was like, I would have preferred like the actual British version of this, like stuck yeah. to it. Greasy but um, <laughs> what a greasy cap, a greasy cap, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's a shame. I think what's interesting is that people will probably maybe on. Un- Sorry, what I'm trying to say is that I think the what will play to this film's strengths and weaknesses is its proximity to everything everywhere all at once, mm. which is, again, a film about, in that case, Asian-American yeah. families, talking about Asian-American tropes and family dynamics. Originally, a very like gra- it opens with a very grounded and unsensational yes. a, a setting. But then brings in martial arts, different genres to multiverse. explore. <laughs> the multiverse to explore <laughs> an emotional heart. And I think that this film probably wouldn't have had the exposure that it's got. It was already in production. Don't get me wrong. When when it came, you know, it's concurrent with everything everywhere. But I'm sure that, you know, um, marketers and producers were like, oh, well, it's great because people have an appetite now for seeing these kind of family dynamics played on that way. And I think the comparison is not helpful. It might have helped the the film get a a wider release, but I think it's also unhelpful because I think everywhere, everywhere, everything everywhere did a better job Mm. of, of maintaining the heart of, of its of its story while also bringing in the, the wilder stuff but ultimately it's a film that really like enjoys reclaiming its space it really is trying to stand out and be different yeah um i just thought it became slightly weaker and slightly less interesting the more it went on but you know you, if you catch it about it's 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 a little curiosity nice Guys, if you've seen Polite Society and you have any thoughts, opinions, concerns, please send your opinions in to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. Oh, just one thing I forgot to say. Mm. You know, when we talked about Guardians last week, we were talking about, we kind of did a mini review of the cinema in which we saw it. Yes, yeah. So I saw Polite Society at the Barbican, um, which was fine. I was worried the sound wasn't going to be good enough, but it was was perfectly nice. Mm. Um, But what I liked, this is a little hack. If you're someone who is very paranoid that an audience is going to have, is either be on their phone or be talking on their phone and get, mm. getting calls to that stuff. The Barbican, because it's like essentially a concrete bunker, no, no signal, no phone service. Yeah. So undisturbed all the way through. And I was like, that's a good little hack. Speaking of concrete bunkers, I'm going to talk <laughs> about Silo. Oh, right, okay. I love that you came up with Thank concrete you, yeah. bunker. Tell me about so, Silo. Silo, which is a show that I kind of feel like I need to whisper when I say Silo, the Silo. Uh, it's an Apple TV Plus show that I saw a few trailers for. And it, like a lot of Apple TV Plus shows, they just look expensive. Mm. And I just feel like Tim Cook, CEO of Apple, goes to every producer and says, how much money do you need to realize the best version of your show? And they say a number that's outrageous. And he goes, done, go make it. Go wow. make me the best show you can. And I'm looking at this show, Silo, and it looks expensive. Silo, Silo is based on... <laughs> A book series, which I've not read. Oh, a book? Could be a series, I'm not sure, which I've not read. And the, the TV show 
It, this is a concept show. Okay, right. This is like the, the, the show is a central mystery. It very much is evoking severance. It very much is evoking a little bit of Lost in there. It looks a lot... It kind of like reminds me of the Fallout games, um, basically like with the whole idea of the bunker. And the opening five lines of the show explain its premise and they are echoed many times throughout okay. i'm not going to be reviewing this because i've only seen two episodes and right. i don't want to two of eight two of ten what is it good question about that number okay. i can't confirm uh, and they're coming out weekly and i don't want to sort of say this is a good show this is a bad show i think that all very much to be seen so it's more of a first my first impressions mm. watching this show i'm going to read you the first five lines of the entire show and the fact that it repeats this very much the show opens in a silo we do not know why we are here. We do not know who built the silo. We do not know why everything outside the silo is as it is. We do not know when it will be safe to go outside. We only know that day is not today. Mm. Silo. silo, silo. Mm, okay. The silo is a massive <laughs> underground bunker, but it's barely a bunker. It's like an entire city that goes uh, seven hundreds of layers deep. Yeah. Oh, it reminds me a bit of Zion in the Matrix. Right, okay. That kind of that scale, less sort of um, underground ravey and more just like functional <laughs> living, like big spiraling things. They've got like agriculture, police stations, got schools, it. just an entire society, farming, jobs, markets within this one society. And it looks just brilliant. Like all of these shots where it looks down the side, I'm like, how did they film it? Where did they film it? It all just mm. looks very, very... Cool, kind of like Canary, the rebuild of Canary Wharf Station on the Elizabeth Line. It's a bit like right. grungier and less, <laughs> kind of less like that. Um, it stars David Oello, Rashida Jones, Rebecca Ferguson, and Tim Robbins. So this first episode takes place over the course of... Oh, so Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins oh, is in great. that. Yeah, yeah, being a very like, sort of elusive guy. Uh, the first episode, interestingly, takes place over the course of three years. And we are greeted with a character played by David Oello, who's one of the sheriffs of the silo, and uh, his wife, Rashida Jones. And what's interesting about the silo is you need to be approved to be able to procreate. So if you want to have a, you want to have a baby, you have to send in like an application form. And then if you're lucky, you'll get approved and you'll have a 365 day window to try and get pregnant. And what that means is you go into the doctor and you have your mandatory birth control removed and then you have a chance to create children. And um, these two are not able to have kids and they sort of start to realize that maybe they were never meant to be allowed to have kids and a certain type of person is allowed to have kids. There are certain rules of the silo. You are not allowed to talk about or reference the rebels that came before and the rebellion and the things that they lost and the things that they burnt. That people have been in the silo for 140 years, so it's longer than anyone's been alive, hence why nobody knows why they're in the silo, who built it, for what reason it's there. Um, if you uncover what are called relics from the world before, you are in big trouble. You are not allowed to look at things from the old world. Everything has a sort of slightly 1980s computer, tech, slightly analog technological feel to it. We don't know what time period it's set, but I'm seeing like box computers with the curved screens and mm. all these like tapes and cassettes and old sort of non-specific looking hard drives. Um, Rashida Jones through a guy who runs like a computer workshop uncovers a relic and it's essentially like a hard drive from the time before and they put it in the system and they're like we shouldn't be doing this and there are it's saying that the hard drive is full but they can't access the files 
what they do find is quite interesting. So in the cafeteria, in their offices, in all the main places, there is like a massive window. You know, like in Arrival, the window that they view the aliens yeah. in, this like sort of circular, it's like one of those. And it is a constant camera feed of what is outside the silo. And it is this barren wasteland. It looks like a nuclear fallout with a tree that's, that's basically dead. And the bodies of people who have left the silo, who only make it for three minutes. Because when they leave the silo, the atmosphere, the poison, basically kills them within three minutes. If you say you want to leave the silo, you will be taken outside the silo, be put in a suit, and the entire society will watch you on this live camera feed be basically killed because you said you wanted to leave. In that hard drive, Rashida Jones discovers that the camera feed that they are seeing might be a lie. And mm. actually it is lush, green, birds, blue sky, and the fact that they're in a silo is a lie. There's a conspiracy theory, conspiracy theory where she believes that her contraception was actually never removed. And she basically loses her mind and screams, I want to leave the silo. And her husband, David Owello, is like, oh my God, like you basically just sentenced yourself to death. And she says to him, listen, I believe with all of my heart that what they are showing us is a lie. And every time you see someone walk out of the silo, that's not a real camera feed, it is fake. And when you are leaving, there's like, it's like a camera lens that's very dirty and you are given in your packet the device to clean the lens and you're meant to go out and wipe the lens so that everyone else can see what is outside the silo. And so she tells him, when I go up, if the world is, is what it is as they show us, I will know I've made the biggest mistake of my life. I will clean the lens and I will probably die right there. If it isn't that, and I look out there and the sky is blue and the grass is green and it's fine, I will walk over the hill and I will go find some and I'll come back and I will get you. Wow. And in the first episode, Rashida Jones closes, walks up outside the silo and I'm not going to say what happens because wow. I think you should watch it for yourself. But I remember I watched about 15, 20 minutes of it and I was like, oh, concept, heavy, real, like, you know, this is the mystery. The central show is really, like, burdened by the mystery of why are we in the silo, what's outside the silo? And Talia's just watched, she's like, what's this show you're watching? Because it kind of felt like Hunger games in. it just looked sort of kind of interesting. I was like, it's called The Silo. You can't leave The Silo. I don't know why The Silo's there. And we watched the first episode. This was late last night, and I was like, I've got to go to bed. I've got to do the podcast. And then I got to the end of the first episode, and I said to her, I will die if I don't find out what's outside the silo. I must know. No. So we watched the second episode. It is, um, it's, I'm only two episodes Can it in. sustain itself? Who knows? Right. Who knows? That's why I'm not going to be like, this is an amazing show, blah, right. blah, blah. I was very, it really got its hooks into me. It's a cool premise. It, it, look, it's not as original as an idea like Severance, which I hadn't really seen mm. done before. I feel like I have seen lots of yeah. uh, echoes of this Utopia idea. Utopia society might be dystopian. They're, yeah. like, they're lying to us. They're yeah. lying to us. When, you, when you said camera feed, I was like, yeah, it's probably a lit lie. Yeah. Right, so like from the very beginning, it doesn't bullshit you. Like, oh yeah, we're just happy in our underground bunk. It's like, no, straight to the fact that this is probably all bullshit. Like, we're going to uncover its mystery. Everyone's lying in some form. To what extent they are remains to be seen. I, I'm apprehensive to say, this is the best show. Go watch it. You've got to see it. But after two episodes, mm. I'm, I'm enjoying describing the, the, the premise to you. Okay. That's what I enjoyed about it. It's a sort of kind of an interesting show. And just, it, lo it looks fantastic. Mm. The cinematography is fantastic. All the design and, and the wides of the show. I'm like, God, they just throw the money at it. Mm. Um, that's all. 
interesting show so far. I will keep watching it. I, I need to know what's I'm outside intrigued. the silo. Yeah, weekly episodes from now. Have you seen the silo? If you have, let us know at hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. Maybe you've seen, uh, is, there, are there, is it binge watching or weekly? Weekly. Okay. Just said that. I wasn't listening to you because I just <laughs> yeah. drifted off thinking about the silo. Yeah. Um, there you go. If you liked it, if you didn't like it, let us know. George, moving on to another TV show that you kind of started watching. Mm. You checked out Beef. Yes. What'd you Beef. Think? Beef. Big capitals. Beef. Stamp. It beef. is. That's yeah. and, and the opening uh, credits of Beef, uh, they don't say Beef, but it's a big like klaxon playing. If anyone knows that Justice song that goes like, Bum, 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 in watching it, I thought, and due to our recording schedule, I thought it's mm. best to talk about it now, mm. whilst, I, whilst I'm in the thick of it. Mm. So Beef is this show set in LA, and it centers on Ali Wong and Stephen Yeun. Mm-hmm. Okay? Stephen Yeun, of course, we're familiar with The Walking Dead, and I really love Stephen Yeun's career trajectory of having yeah. graduated from TV uh, character in a huge show to actually being a really interesting indie actor he was in burning and he was in nope and minari and now he, he's in this and he's a great actor and ali wong is someone is a name i knew but is not someone i'm familiar with she's a comedian primarily yeah. right her stand-up's great he's, and she's great in this as, a, as an actor beef begins in um in like i said in california and steven ewan is at a hardware store like a b&q right and he's uh, always a garden center whatever but he's like trying to return to things, and it is clear that he is having the worst time. He very much reminds me of Casey Affleck in Manchester by the Sea. Mm. World weary, worn down, uh, desperately, yeah, desperately, your friends. <laughs> desperately trying to make ends meet mm. and just beating down the world. He's trying to return these barbecues. He hasn't got the receipt. There's people moaning behind him. The, the cashier is giving him grief. He's getting stressed, he's getting, he doesn't have it. So he goes, okay, fine. You know, he goes to the parking lot, he gets into his car, and it's like, you know, it's small things, like he'll go to put his belt on, his belt catches on the thing, and he has mm. to really, he hates the fact he has to really slowly put it in. He is having the worst day. He goes to leave this, this parking lot. He goes to leave, and as he reverses, this white uh, four by four comes behind him and beeps its horn really loudly, and just the most obnoxious, loud, mm. infuriating horn. And Stephen Yeun is like, what? And it goes on, the horn goes on for ages. And Stephen Yeun looks back at this car and you can't see the driver. And it sort of slow zooms in on the, on the car. And Stephen Yeun is like, what? All right, dude, all right. And then the, the, uh, the 4x4 drives off, gets to the exit of the car park mm. and then flips the finger back at Stephen Yeun. And this makes Stephen Yeun snap. He goes, you know what? No fucking way. And he's there in his like 2004, like Hyundai, you know, uh, pickup truck. Yeah. Fucking reverses out and chases after this four by four. And you have this sort of 10 minute car chase road rage scene mm. where um, Stephen Yeun is chasing this car down. The car is throwing litter behind it. It's evading him. It gets confrontational. They go over people's front 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 lawns they go into a, a rich neighborhood they have to be quiet they go, it's really really tense entertaining stuff 
and it, and the road rage scene ends with the, the white car managed to get away. And this is all in the opening 10 minutes. And and Stephen Yun is just there trying to memorize the, the, the number plate. He's going, okay, 61, 61. And at that point, we cut to the front of the white car and it's Ali Wong's character who is driving back. She arrives home. She's very wealthy, but an excellent, beautiful house. And she pulls up into the garage and she's like, garage, garage. And she's like clearly shaken, but maybe slightly empowered by the experience she's just had. Mm. And her husband's there who is such a wet blanket, but like re- like handsome, fashionable. He's an artist, but also just like so in effect. She's like, hey, honey, what's up? You look a little shaky. Yeah, no, it's fine. Oh, hey, before you... Because she starts to almost tell him about it. Mm. And he goes, hey, just remember, don't spiral. Remember what the doctor said? Let's take a couple of breaths here. And, and, and he's just so infuriating. Yeah. And what you then have from this minor road rage incident, major road rage incident, is it's like the domino effect of how this uh, these two people's different stories intersect and interwide, and they have this titular beef between them, okay? Mm. And it's funny because they are completely in completely different circumstances, but actually share a lot of uh, characteristics. So... Ali Wong's character does have money troubles. They're not the same money troubles as Stephen Yun's character. Right. She's trying to sell her business to this uh, quite elusive, obnoxious um, uh, businesswoman called, um, I can't remember what she's called, but she, she's played by Maria Bello, who's very wealthy. And there's, there's a really interesting scene where she goes to this uh, investor's or potential buyer's house and she's laying on this it's just this crazy you know modernist house and she's laying on this mushroom evening and Ali Wong is like oh it's like magic mushrooms evening we're gonna do one of those this would be fun you know we'll free ourselves and it's not it's like a whole dinner degustation about the importance of mushrooms and it's this really fancy like overly produced evening and it cuts into cut with Stephen Yun like uh out in the hills on his pickup truck with like a bag of four cheeseburgers from Burger King. And he is chronically stress eating them, shoving them down to the point that he's about to be sick. And when he just about can't be sick, he then starts eating another one and he's calling a real estate agent to try and buy something. He's got something where his parents, due to something in his past that happened at the hotel, at the motel they own, they've had to move back to Korea He's having to deal with a cousin who was slightly involved in that and caused that problem, who's got a criminal past, who comes back on the scene. He's trying to get more money. He's got a good-for-nothing brother who just spends his whole time trying to earn crypto. Meanwhile, Ali Wong has got this artist husband who's useless, but stay at home. And their daughter is beautiful and like and, and, and they love her, but she's also like artistic and temperamental. And and you have these two characters who are bonded and bound by this beef at the beginning but they they have these links that unite them but obviously this beef is running through it's the Stephen Ewan is the more the world grinds him down the more he fixates on that road rage incident as being a, 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 a exemplifying the universe being against him mm. so one of the things he does in the first episode he's like he comes into a little bit of money and he's like I could pay $75 to get the address and details of that per- from that person's number plate. So he does do that. And you kind of get this keep this keep constant like back and forth between something he will do to Ali Wong's character, something Ali Wong's character will do to his character. And this and it gets and, it's, and with every episode it gets increasingly messy and and stressful. Um what's it's it's a it's a predominantly asian american cast yeah. so it's like Stephen steven Yun is a you know korean family um uh ali wong's character's family i believe is from china and her husband's japanese 
And uh, actually, one of the people who got me onto this show was a guy I know from work who is uh, Chinese Australian. And he was like, I've just finished beef. It's really funny. It's really sending up so many Asian tropes and uh, dynamics and also liberating them mm. in a way that we talked about with like, everything everywhere. But it's like, it's just that all these characters, you, have, uh, you either have seen them before, but they've only had one dimension to them in yeah. films, or you've seen these characters before, but they've all been white. Yeah. And this is much more a different context. And so you've got the idea of like intergenerational success and all, all that kind of stuff. It's very interesting. And it's shot in this very kind of like odd stylized quite confrontational way and i'm four episodes in there's 10 episodes each episode is about 35 minutes long which is fine and i'm thinking this is really different and really interesting mm. and really surprising i don't need anything like it I, I i'm i'm enjoying the kind of journey it's taking me all i will say is i'm slightly uncertain of how long it can sustain itself over 10 episodes yeah because okay. i'm at four episodes four. in now and i'm thinking for something that hangs on this type of premise, I would have almost preferred it to be slightly tighter. Mm. This maybe could have been a good eight, maybe even a hot six. six. A hot six. Could have been a hot six. At 10 episodes, I'm thinking, okay, either things are going to get really crazy. Really shift or twist or cut away well, exactly. from the action. So yeah. that might still happen. And I, I'm, I have no doubt that if I get to the end of this, this series and I come to talk about it again on this show, I would be like, oh my God, that show went completely different to where I was only 40% yeah. of the way Hence through. Hence why first impressions. Hence why this review. is the first impressions. But... If you did want to see a show that was different and and kind of, I'm sure I, I, I haven't seen The Bear, so I don't want to make this comparison, but I think the way that people talked about The Bear was like, oh, a show that's come out of nowhere yeah. that is shot in a really new different talent. style with new talent. I kind of feel like a way about beef. It's yeah. like shot in a particular style, has, a, has really interesting themes and messages, but it's also entertaining and stressful and cringing and uncomfortable. Are the episodes consistent lengths? Yes, they're all yeah. about 35 minutes long. Right. Um, and so that's beef. So I, I, I anchored by great, really, really, really great performances by yeah. Ali Wong and Stephen Yun. So that's beef. If you've Tempted seen it, check it out. Yeah, let me know what you think, and uh, I, I look forward to finishing it, and I will let you know my thoughts, guys. If you've seen beef, or you're watching beef, or you'd like to know more about beef, please send in your questions, thoughts, concerns to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. Guys, it's that time of the episode again where we turn to our audience for inspiration, for for controversial opinion. Yes. For Lend us your ears. Their messages sent from their iPhones or their Android tablets, as they love to put in the bottom of the emails. If you guys wanted to send us an email, you can do by emailing to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. Just, Just like, like Josh did. Josh writes in and says, hey, lads, hey. I've been to see Evil Dead Rise as well. We were a group of three. Okay. One of us turned the other way in her chair. I don't know why that's relevant, but uh, one of us turned the other way in her chair and stared at the guy behind us. The other one. Hang on. What? <laughs> one of them. One of us turned the other way in her chair and stared at the guy behind us. It's a way of viewing the film because they didn't like the Could, film. Let's have find out. The other was fascinated by the gore. I had watched the previous four movies for the first time in the same week before going. Wow. The 2013 remake had a similar tone, but suffers in the same way as described in the podcast. Now to the main point of my email. Me and my bird have got an unlimited card <laughs> and have been to watch 12 movies in cinema in April alone. Wow. Where did you get this unlimited card from? Probably one of the major cinemas, James, that are out at the moment. Oh, yeah, you pay for an unlimited, unlimited card. Unlimited yes. card, yeah. It's not just they found it on the back yes, of the seat. They're like, oh, my God. <laughs> we got a magic <laughs> card. <laughs> We watched over 200 movies last year wow. in and out of the cinema. That is a lot of impressive. films. Are you including rewatches in that though? That is four a week. That's the dream. 
dream. Isn't that nuts? Uh, like 200. I, I think that's like COVID level for me. That's what I was yeah, doing. Yeah, peak. Uh, we rate every movie we watch on IMDb and have a whole catalog on there now. So we do truly love movies. But my favorite movies, bar superhero movies, are Warrior, mm-hmm. Goodwill Hunting, right. The Gentleman. Right. Can I get a brief rundown on your opinion of these three movies and how you'd rank them best to worst? You guys have made my movie experience so oh. much more rewarding and listening has increased my love for movies, if possible. Josh. Josh, thank you for that lovely email That's very, and those kind words. On those three movies, so the first so, one was... Warrior. Only We'd seen it once. Seen it once. Jo- it. Tom Hardy, Jolliston, Gritty UFC, Solid. Yeah, it's kind of, it's quite... Um, it's a movie, you know, it's like yeah. you're like family getting together, big things. Yeah. Hey, you, you didn't love me. But solid, like it's, it has. Yeah, really cool. Cool little MMA movie. Yeah. That and Never Back Down leading the, <laughs> leading the fray. Good Will Hunting, I love. Good Will Hunting's great. It's I've only seen that once, but it's really, really good. I like, I like Ben Affleck and Matt Damon talking about Good Will Hunting. Yeah. It's quite just a nice story that they wrote this together and wrote it for themselves yeah. and they like, pitched their agent. No, no, we've written this script and their agent's like, okay, great. Yeah, you and every actor has written yourself mm. a script, but it just got shopped around and picked up and yeah. became, became them. It's a great, it's a, it's a lovely movie. I'd like to rewatch that. Have you seen right. Louis C.K.'s sketch on Goodwill Hunting? No, it's so funny. Is it? It's about Matt Damon writing himself as like a genius in Goodwill Hunting. I'm not going to do it, but okay. you can just, you can search it out. It really kind of deconstructs the film in a very funny way. And then the gentleman, which I assume is the guy. Richie. Yeah, you've not seen that. I've not seen the gentleman. I have seen that. Uh, well, first of all, you, you can look forward to the TV series of that coming yes, out. Yes, yeah, coming out on Netflix. Um, how do I think about the gentleman? I I I was not. I was I had very low opinion going into watching The Gentleman. And I think the nicest thing I can say about it is that I was surprised at how long I enjoyed it for before it ended up being the thing I exactly thought it would be. Okay, fine. So it's like, I went with it a long time and I was like, oh, I'm actually kind of going with this. And then by the end, I was like, yeah, it was quite silly and a little bit, some of it I find a bit off. Yeah. You know, I'm like, mm, I'm not sure that, that fine. sits with me. It, like, it's got a little bit of a bad aftertaste for me, but it's actually much more entertaining than I previously anticipated. So it's fine. So we could probably go Goodwill 1, Warrior 2, and then Gentleman 3. I still would, if anyone, Guy Ritchie for me, I still just think Lock, Stock and Snatch. Those yeah. are the two ones that I really rate. So, Those are funny and different and young and full of energy. Mm. Um, but Gentleman's fine. But it has actually got a lot of, um, I know a lot of people who, who also rate The Gentleman. Yeah. It had quite a massive appeal. Did it do really well in the box office? I have a feeling it, it could have done. It must have done well enough for them to get a series out of it. Thank you so much. Oh, well, sorry. No, but that thing about the person turning around. Sorry. You oh, talking? yeah. So it, I assume your friend didn't want to watch it because of the gore, but I just st- think you added the, this- the, one of us turned the other way in her chair and stared at the yeah. guy behind us. So they're actually watching it wrong because it's too scary. They just go, yeah. Some guy just, you just sat there and these pair of eyes. Imagine just if it was a woman as well because of the Evil Dead, I've seen it, it's like yeah. a scary woman. Someone just did that in cinema. <laughs> I would lose my mind. <laughs> How distracting for the poor guy behind oh, you. Um, <laughs> this next one is from Taha who says, Hey guys. Hi guys, my name is Taha. That's spelled T-A-H-E-R. I hope I'm saying it right. I'm from the Middle East. I just wanted to hey. tell, tell you that I enjoy your podcast and I'm also a bit of a movie fanatic myself. I was watching Ep 30 when you were talking about big moments in some of the movies you've watched mm. and you mentioned the movie Nocturnal Animals. Yes. And it made me realize that this movie is the kind of movie that I can't get myself to watch for a second time. Mm. Not because I didn't like it, but because it's too traumatic to watch again. Fair and enough. it made me think of other movies like Manchester by the Sea, Never Let Me Go, mm. and Atonement. Like real heavy films you've just yeah. listed there. And I'd like to know if you guys have any movies like that. I'd love to hear your thoughts about it. Um, Nocturnal Animals, as I said, probably in episode 30. I adore Nocturnal yeah, Animals. Same. I have seen it, I think, three times now. Oh, wow, I really? I think it's brilliant. 
It is difficult to watch, but um, what a film. Yeah. Tom Ford. Can, can you just yeah. make... Come back. I know he was going to do The Whale with James Corden, yeah. apparently, but like, can you just make a film every three years, please? I, I've had clips pushed to me of a single man on TikTok. I'm like, that film is gorgeous. Oh, single just... man. Yeah, he, he makes beautiful films, which yeah. could easily be like the Tom Ford spring-summer collection yeah. campaign. But he also, Sirens on our end, he also refuses to put Tom Ford clothing in Tom Ford films. Yeah. So that's a fact of principle. Because I remember... Uh, Amy Adams wearing those Celine glasses in Nocturnal Animals. Yeah. Those huge, big, chunky frames. Um, um, Sorry. Uh, um, we, have had this, you... we have had this question before from someone else about yeah. films that are so good that you'd never watch again. Yeah. And I didn't think about it at the time, but I think the answer I gave was Elephant, Gus Van Sant's Elephant, which is about a high school shooting. Yes. Told in a very direct, bleak experimental style you also made a comment about films which are difficult and tricky and complicated there never is a good time to watch them yeah. until you just say do you know what i'm gonna watch it and it's like not. son of saul son of saul yeah, yeah. there's Any, no good time to anything to related to like genocide holocaust yeah. like uh, come and see that's the thing with it. have you seen come and see no so come and see is this ukrainian film from 1986 which it, yeah. like people talk about the same breath as like son of saul because it's yeah. just an endless litany of about the horrors of war in this case world mm. war Two. And like, it's regarded as a very good film, but it's just like, everyone I speak to about it is like, oh my God, yeah, it's just awful. And mm. I'm like, I do want to watch that, but I'm trying to find the right time. But you, oh yes, but there is no right time. Mm. The film's not going to change. Mm. So I think it's, maybe it's one of those things, like I said before, it's like a morning film. Yeah. Get in the morning, then try and wash well, it out fairly for you. fresh. Like Atonement, I've only seen once, but that's mm. very heavy. Oh, Never God. Let Me Go as well. Great Andrew Garfield and Karen yeah. Mulligan performance. That. And Kieran Knightley too. Lovely. Okay, Next so- one. So this next email is from Steve. Now, Steve is a first-time emailer, but he is a friend of the show. Very good, and friend, very of good friend of the show. Because he's actually related to my girlfriend <laughs> by being her father. I know you probably um, assumed that everyone who emailed in was just our mums and our cousins. Yes, and our this uncles. is the first time we've sort of had pseudo-family right in, right? Yep. This... Um, Steve is the one who is uh, keeping up our US listeners. Yes. Our Florida... Ticking up the uh, <laughs> listener the figures up. So... Steve says, if you've done this subject before, please disregard. Never. But I don't think we have. Hi, guys. Love the pod. A bleachery opening. I've just watched episode 69. Sorry, I need to catch up. Come Steve, on, Steve. Get your act together. Having just watched George murder the Geordie accent reading the Matthew from Sunderland email. Apologies I have again no to Matthew. That. I think he, Matthew put I'll read lads as I'll the top read bit. Lads. And, and you, we did an I'll read lads. Oh, sorry. Uh, Steve says, a Pop Kitchen star question crossed my mind. What movies can you guys think of where an actor portrayed a character whose accent was different to their own? Mm. And if you don't, didn't know any better, you would assume they were from that region. Or conversely, where what, what can you recall movies where actors, despite their best efforts, it, it, it didn't work? So basically, best accents by an actor who's not from the place that they're portraying. The best accents. And the worst. And Steve gives some examples of the worst. Mm. Um, Sean Connery in The Hunt for Red October, which I've yeah, never I've seen. No, I believe you. <laughs> um, Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins. The, the probably one of the what worst about, ever. Well, uh, and then Brad, Mary Poppins. P- Brad Pitt in Troy here. Yeah, Brad Pitt in Troy is doing an English accent. I don't remember. I don't think it's a hard English. He's very, he's kind of just like, no one will remember your name. It's very like sort of royal and I regal. And- what about, I, sh- I thought you'd say um, uh, Keanu Reeves in Dracula. Yes, he's doing a British act. That's the worst. Yeah. Yes, that's definitely the worst. Keep up the great work. It actually makes us look forward to visiting the gym. Oh. Uh, keep keep going. Steve. Steve. Be absolutely swollen next time we see him. Steve from Florida. He'll be like, I call up. <laughs> <laughs> Get this, James. Steve from Florida, sent from Yahoo Mail on Android. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unheard of. <laughs> so best accents. I mean, I always feel like 
there's a slight stereotype, but I think British actors are better at yes. doing accents yes. than uh, our American fellows. Yes. No offense, guys. Have you seen Tom Hiddleston uh, do that thing where he floats between all of the regional accents? Perfect. Oh, really? He's very good. Tom what Hiddleston. I will say is um, Lake Bell, she's an yes, American like actress. Bell. She's great. It's underrated. She did, in that film I've mentioned a few times, Man Up, she does a perfect english accent really she put she pulls off being there because her role could be played by so many british actresses that yeah. we know i don't know why it was lake bell but like she pulls it off perfectly well there was never a point when i was watching it but i was like you're not from here though mm. and like so if you can get past our filter it's fine which is mm. weird because also in that film is sharon horgan who's irish who they make her play an english accent because she's going to be lake bell's sister mm. and it doesn't work anyway who's that uh, is it i don't it sounds kind of rude i think gerard, gerard butler is not that great at an american accent no I've always found his a little bit ropey, but I don't want to just like rail on actors who've done it badly. Has Michael Caine ever tried to do American? Oh, he must have done. Yeah. Now he does Michael Caine. That's why oh, he's of course. great. He, he, Daniel Day-Lewis sounds like no one in any film. He just sounds, he just like, sounds like his own version of whatever he happens to be doing. Yeah. Like in Gangs of New York, he's his own brand. Is that, I mean, I haven't seen that in a long... What, was it good? Years ago. Okay. I couldn't comment. It's probably worth a rewatch. Hmm. It's quite a long one. I think... Because John C. Riley's in that, and Stephen yeah, Graham's Liam in that. Na- Liam Neeson's Liam Neeson. in there. Mm. Young Leo, long, youngish Leo. Um, other other accents. I think that I can only think of because the good ones. If they're good enough, you don't notice you it. You don't notice it. Yeah. I think. Oh, you know what? Cumberbatch in Doctor Strange is I know right on the edge. It's it's less. It's that, that his... very kind of American talk. It's like yeah. that. You can't be saying yeah. that it's you conditioned with psychosomatic. So much, don't yeah. you? Uh, it's a bit theatrical. And then you cut to Tilda Swinton, like, um, not really. Yeah, like really yeah. dry and quiet. And I'm assuming <laughs> she's great, Tilda Swinton. She is great. Um, um, she also, uh, she's a master of accents. Oh yes, as well. Like that. that. Um, cool. Thank you, Steve, for that email. Thank you, Steve. This next one is from Finn. He says, "Hi, James and George. Last time I asked you about westerns and mentioned I was parking cars while listening to the pod. Oh yeah, do you remember? You said I park cars to draw. We assumed a valet, valet runner, t- ripping up donuts in the car park. Yes, you know. uh, we just didn't really like as a job." Yeah, what what could come to mind? But Finn uh, likes to fill us in. He says, uh, you speculated I was a runner or a valet. Alas, I'm but a humble car park attendant and uni student. Lovely. Yes, that's fine. But Finn, are you... Are you AirPods slash headphones like baby driver? Like baby driver? Or are you just like putting your phone on the dashboard and having us on while you drive? Because I hope hope you just... I, I assume you're not like connecting the orcs and the bluetooth to every car you get into car park attendant a valet isn't the same thing do we have those in the uk what is a car park attendant i'm a car park attendant and uni student is that the person who stands at the barrier and who like gives you a ticket but he said previously that he was parking parking cars cars. who parks cars i'm finn i'm sorry i need way more information about your job role but um Regardless, yeah. regardless, regardless. Like, I, I, do you think he like does, does the Bluetooth for every car he's in? <laughs> so the driver gets back in and won't pass yeah. their driver. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My question is, what are your favorite instances of an actor going outside of their comfort zone or typical role they play? My favorite is Steve Carell in The Way Way Back, who does a good. I mean, Steve Carell's good for a lot of them. Foxcatcher, yeah, uh, and uh, Big Short. Yeah, uh, who does a good job of playing cheating, truly nasty stepfather. Whereas I feel he is normally known for being a good, more wholesome, or at least for being good, more wholesome, or at least kind. Another example would be Jim Carrey playing a vulnerable, lonely man lamenting his losses in Eternal Sunshine of yeah. the Spotless Mind, as opposed to his more classic Carrey performance. Many thanks, Finn. Finn, just park on over. Yeah, yeah. Beep, 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 beep. 
Stand back. This vehicle is reversing. Yeah, I like Stand to think he's just, uh, he's just driving a car very slowly and we're like, this next one's from Finn. He's like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> crashes the car, yeah. Uh, the thing is, well, it's the best example, you've mentioned two comic actors mm. there shifting into drama, Typically which, is, which be... is always a great thing to see yeah. outside their comfort zone. Um, I, I don't, this isn't an actor outside of the comfort zone, but just we mentioned Stephen Graham just there. I do love the fact that Stephen Graham, national treasure for being lo- lots of, High class British content turns up in The Irishman as like yeah. a, as a, as a good plum role, and it's not that he's a scene where he has to square off like with he's really yeah he's like a really sort of homegrown yeah and he's sharing the screen with Joe Pesci, Robert De Niro, and Al Pacino, and he has a scene where he has to sort of square off against Al Pacino, mm. and I'm like and he completely holds his own yeah, and I really enjoy that. I really enjoy seeing someone come through and do that i'm gonna try not to bring up the hobbit in every episode but martin <laughs> freeman being cast in like a very grounded yes. english he, he's known for his normal dry delivery is cast in the fantastical high tolkien mm. thing and he gives it this real like because you think about like what a hobbit is mm. it is all about like homegrown countryside humble he really brings that whole fantasy yeah. down with his delivery and peter jackson famously like delayed the entire production to have martin freeman yeah. cast in it he was filming sherlock at the time and they like worked with the bbc to fit his filming around sherlock yeah. so they could do the hobbits he had to move out to new zealand and yeah that's a, that's like i wouldn't have been an obvious choice to cast him in that. the other way around a drama actor doing comedy i have always loved john ham in bridesmaids yeah yeah really that's a good, good one yeah. you're no longer my number three yeah <laughs> john cena doing comedy yeah, like he's yeah, actually, actually yeah, really, he's really good. a train wreck, and, yeah. and LeBron James is good in that too. Yeah, LeBron James. Who are the other? <sighs> Seth Rogen doing. Oh like yes, Steve Seth Rogen Jobs, did, yes. and most yeah. recently The Fablemans is mm. really, really good doing that kind of thing. Like, yeah, because you would never have assumed that, and I assume that is oh, out of your comfort zone. Sorry, yeah, Jonah Hill in Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, like yes. such a good performance, amazing that role. Role. You I, know, he like begged for that role. He's yeah. like, I know this character. I was born. To That's play my this answer. Character. That's and he, my like, answer. Pitched Leo, and Leo pitched it to Scorsese, and then he had a meal with Scorsese. Yeah. Great. Yeah, that's great. Story. Jonah Hill in Wolf of Wall Street. Lovely. Our next email is from Cameron. Now, Cameron wrote in before, as you remember. Yes. Working in the super secretive environment dictatorship production company where he edits photos and also with one ear through his headpiece uh, under sworn secrecy out of fear of we don't know yeah working as a sort of orwellian nightmare where we are played on a tab on his computer screen but surreptitiously he will give us a little bit of information about where they are we're just like wait what a valet (laughs) tell me more (laughs) (laughs) you let me talk about a film like a tv show series like silo for 10 minutes and i just get all dystopian (laughs) about where our audience are so cameron writes in he says hello george and james slash james and george that's a very observant Uh, running joke about with the order Who, with the order which yeah. go and I, I will say a lot of people have been jay and jaw jay jaw not which are well but i, I i'm not i know anything about it. it well maybe those people are all kitchenettes james and i'm, I'm getting emails from pulpets <laughs> don't start a civil war long time no see but for you not for me obviously i get mm. it because mm. he's watching us in a world where your range of fans has grown internationally with foreign mm. co- foreign correspondents popping up left and right hello to all our foreign correspondents by the way yeah. hello to the mums in north germany yes <laughs> They might not be mums. No, I know, but, but it was Hello to the <laughs> North German contingent. Hello to our Pakistani contingent and our Irish contingent and our ca- Canadian, Canadian contingent. Australian. And, oh my goodness, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Oh, actually, sorry, on this point, mm. if you're listening to this right now, 
and you think you are our rem- our most remote listener, yes, let us know. If you're listening to this, you're like, I bet I am the furthest away, BG. or the most remote, like the deepest of the Orkney Islands. Because on our audio analytics, it's like the standard yes. breakup of all the English-speaking nations. And then there is, I swear to God, yeah. every country on planet Earth, like there's Faroe Islands, yeah. there's like the South Polynesia, there's which I see when someone travels and they maybe have listened to our podcast, it counts. But every country is there. There's countries I haven't heard of yes. that are listed as less than 1%. So if, if you think you are our remote, most remote listener or most, yes. most far away listener. And what is the most remote place you've listened to the show? <gasps> yes. If you have been like a, a, on a layover in Antarctica and you popped an episode <laughs> Famously, on. one of those layovers. Those layovers. <laughs> yeah, nobody ever flies like under the earth, do they? I think that's because it's not the fastest way at all. No, probably not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, that is that. So Sorry. anyway, uh, in a world where your range of fans has foreign correspondents, blah, 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 blah. And a world where I still don't know if I'm supposed to be a kitchenette or a pulpit. Mm. Haha. So confusing times. I have decided in an effort not to be a fan left behind. I have head- I have heeded your advice, spelt headed, but heeded your advice <laughs> and endeared to make not just an interesting email, but the most interesting email about something that happened to me about what at work last week. Okay, big praise I I assumed, Cameron, I would never hear from you again. I, you would have been caught and they would have- Bag over your head. Six men would have tapped you on your shoulder while you were working on little like pictures of Ethan Hunt and they would have just dragged you in front of all your other colleagues. Yeah, by so the teeth. To, to, to make an example out of you, like by your ears, <laughs> just hooked you and chained you to a radiator. It would have been that thing where you're typing and then immediately your screen goes, access denied. Yeah. And, and all your colleagues are looking at you, but they're, they're keeping their eyes down on their yeah, own nobody, work. Nobody would make a sound. It's and like then, this, when the agents turn up to get Neo in the exactly, office. Exactly, and you're in yeah. a room, yeah, and then they undo your binder and like you pay yeah. your taxes, you help your landlady carry out the garbage, and they're holding a picture of like a pulpette and a kitchenette <laughs> unit being like, what are these? We do not know. Where is the rabbit's foot? <laughs> Where is the rabbit's foot? Um, anyway. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, most interesting email about something that happened to me at work last week. Also, I don't want to reveal the company I work for, but I will drop clues oh, and answer some questions for you if you ask <laughs> that's Cameron just being <laughs> dispatched yeah. of as we speak I did struggle for weeks wondering how best to make a return write-in and then I gave up and wrote this this afternoon after work involved Drafts all over the walls <laughs> <laughs> he puts in brackets just in case they're listening please see attached okay um, should we do that first and then come back to the, the side note we're in your hands let's go to the attachment since you've written that in that order Cameron so I okay. open up an attachment that Cameron has said said that is written is it scanning your retina it is written in the script format oh yeah it's like script yeah the, I don't know what the, the, the I don't know it, what you call it but the, like the, the, the almost specific typewriter font. face and then the, the dialogue is center aligned yes exactly and it and it says interior ground floor office I'm going to read you this script James. okay all right interior ground floor office day an early 2000s office with bulky computers and even bulkier desks can be seen organized into clusters of four utilizing each corner I'm sensing like office severance. Yeah, or severance, yeah. A fake potted plant, so sad, stands alone, central in the room, between small windows on either side and a long directionless corridor. Ooh. I feel like I'm there. A man, probably still a boy, sits tightly up up to his desk. This is our protagonist. Yes. Sits tightly up to his desk, sipping a Red Bull. (sighs) Sorry, when I see people sipping Red Bull at like eight o'clock in the morning on the tube, it makes me really ill. Yeah, Um, uh, sipping a Red Bull with a candy cigarette in brackets, definitely still a boy, yeah. tucked between his lips. A one-sided headset is pressed tightly to his left ear by his hand. A radio can be heard echoing more static than music in an otherwise silent chamber. His eyes shift across the screen, consistently minimizing and reopening a Google Chrome window every 10 seconds. Wow. Every 10 seconds. 
George. I thought that was going to happen, yeah. James. It sounds like it's going to happen. I think they've got to get Daniel Radcliffe on board, basically. <laughs> Someone shifts to his right, standing to exit the room. The man boy furiously clicks on Photoshop in an attempt to reopen it before the colleague oh glances God. an obvious nosy side eye at the monitor. George. Oh, yeah, name your price. Absolutely, name your price. That's a conversation we actually had a couple of weeks ago. James. Oh, yeah, he'd get like, there'll be like 100 mil for Daniel Radcliffe. I hate you. I just thought about you reading it out. Our lies. The boy man persists on, persists on with his editing. Maybe editing photos of political scandals. Maybe not. His candy cigarette is more in his mouth than a cigarette should really be. But he doesn't care. Why should Candied, he? Candied, like the chocolate. Well, yeah. Sugar, yeah. He, why, but why should he care? It's just sugar, not tobacco. Like a real cigarette. Like, like a cigarette. Long and white to the human eye, just like the British host of a film podcast. <laughs> we are very tall, yeah. um, but also timeless, indulgent, and better with every interaction, just like the British hosts of a film podcast. James. But we love these actors and these kids, passionately in brackets. George, I know. James. <laughs> James, more passionately. They're, they're like, we grew up with them. It's, it's like recasting my brother. A smile breaks across the face of the boy who is pretending to act like a man. He covers it up by taking a big gulp of Red Bull to play off the illegal in-office. Is facial- Cameron 12? <laughs> no, he's just a man-child. So, so uh, to cover up the facial spasm of laughter, he, he takes a sip of, uh, of Red Bull. He calls it in- illegal in-office facial spasm. James continued. James continued. Do you know what I mean, my cousin? George, no, you don't have a brother. James, no. The man who is desperately trying to cling on to his youth in this email is saying, the man who is desperately trying to cling on to his youth in this email by saying he's still a boy, gulps too hard on his Red Bull, breaking the flavoured chalk of the cigarette in half. He laughs out loud. Cameron. Ha! Accidentally, oh my god! Eyes around the room snap up to meet him. Oh my he coughs. What could be so funny about your Photoshop camera? Yeah, he coughs, raising his hand to his mouth to hide behind it. During the fake cough, the broken cigarette has lodged itself in his throat, stabbing both sides of his <gasps> inner breathing windpipe. Coughing again more violently to dislodge it just draws more attention. His face is going red in either embarrassment- it was laced with niacin <laughs> from little bosses. Or genuine choking. The Red Bull ca- can is knocked over. In sight, uh, is knocked over in a slight to slightly moderate panic. The liquid pools on the desk. Trying to wipe the keyboard keys causes the tab to reopen. (gasps) He jumps up, unplugging the headset on the ascent accidentally. Oh my God. George, if you have any thoughts, let us know at helppopkitchenpodcast.com. Pop Kitchen is exposed into the office. Oh my The God. end of the script. I imagine <gasps> it being released into the office like like a, like a gas of like- yeah. <laughs> I'd imagine like all the people working at your office just immediately go, 2319, 2319. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> Cameron, uh, thank you for articulating I that hope in, you're in okay. cinematic fashion. I hope you're okay. Please, <laughs> I need part two. I want part two where you're in a bunker. We're going to be walking down the street one day and there's going to be a man with a beard down to his stomach and bedraggled, matted hair, looking like the person in the alleyway in Mulholland yeah. Drive. Yeah, yeah. He's going to be like, George, James, it's me. I had a job until you. I had a job until Cameron, the kitchen. where do you work? What? 
What photo? What formal photo editing job exists? I do not understand. Also, because most photo editing jobs are creative jobs in an creative environment agency. where people are like, you know, we'll have the radio on, we'll have yeah. bean bang chairs. What kind of photo editing? Military grade photo editing. I must be Boris naked being gagged, hanging from <laughs> chains with like, <laughs> like what is it? What case are you building? Wow, deep faking maybe. Who knows? Cameron. Anyway, I return to Cameron's email now. He says, as, as a side note, I just wanted to say thank you again for, keep, for keeping me alive. No, <laughs> for keeping me company. If anyone ever reads this, no. For keeping me company at work. Your voices are slightly altered when I have you in the background to Premiere Pro. So that's video altered. editing as well. I don't know what that means. But has our pitch changed? I don't, I don't Your voices are slightly altered. altered when I have you in the background to Premiere Pro, but I still manage to coherently understand what's going on. Oh, so it means he's editing at the same time yeah. and like he's trying to listen through. In the off-season from my last email, I've tried and tried to rope in more listeners as the months go by. So I'm probably waiting for me to embarrass myself in this email. He's like, he's like, like looking at yeah. I want you to take yeah. this drive. It's, yeah. like, it's, it's like, like Rogue One. Yeah, it's the resistance. He's like giving them yeah. the drive. <laughs> oh, get yes, it's episode 72. <laughs> Just run with it. The sirens are on our end. <laughs> yeah. The sirens are on our end. The sirens are on our end. The resistance. The resistance. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sorry. Um, uh, but some probably charge your recommendations and reviews keep me sane, and yes. I generally think you should somehow create a watch list, homework of shows and movies. You employed everyone to watch. Guys, I am working on the uh, letterboxed. Yeah, uh, we said we stay do a pop kitchen version. Stay tuned. I just need to build it, but we're going to do that. Pop kitchen, mm, pop kitchen list. Yeah, movies. On recommendations, Cameron continues, I've recently hit a conundrum. Mm. My mother has been an avid Succession fan since season one, mm. and it has really put me off watching it. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, no disrespect to my own mum or anyone else's mother when yeah. I say this, by the way. My mum does have around a 50% success rate. Wow, that's so kind mm. for her recommendations. But for some reason, even knowing how good of a show it is and hearing you both talk about it, I still cannot bring myself to watch it. I'm wondering if you have ever had a similar reaction to anyone recommending you something that through no disingenuous reason to the recommender, you just can't bring yourself to do it or getting round to it. Also, to Should finish... We answer the succession bit first? Let's, yeah, you're right. Let's answer that first. I mean, we'll talk about succession when the series finishes. Yes, we will um, cover it. I think it's fine, though, if, like... General points. There's a, there's a meme going around at the moment that I saw that is a picture of the OJ Simpson Bronco chase on the, on the freeway where it's him <laughs> followed by, like, 20 police cars. Yeah. And each police car... <laughs> has got, one of them says, have you seen Succession? The other one's like, did you catch up with Andor? The other one's like, have you seen The Bear? What did you think yeah. of The White Lotus? And like, that is what living in today's oh, life is really like. really is. If you just haven't got into it, don't worry about it, mate. It's absolutely fine. But it's fantastic. Yes, although I'm having deeper thoughts. And uh, I'm, I'm having, yes, I think- We should say this. There's things you and I need to talk about this show, James. Yeah. And we will do when the show concludes. We, me and George have like sort of semi-unpacked little episodes off air. Yeah. But, but you, but I'm, I'm having slightly more complex okay, I've feelings. I've seen four episodes as a recording and you've seen okay. six. Yes. Fine. Also, to finish, what happened to the American guy who was showing films to his friend who'd never seen these films before? Right, look, so yes. that was Trevor from LA. Now, Trevor, you wrote in about uh, a year ago. One of the you best may emails. not even listen to this show anymore, which yeah, is okay. Which is but fine. you are one of our early listeners. Trevor from LA, if you are listening to this right oh, now, please. and you had a friend who had the friend who had never seen a film before yeah. and was going... We'd love a report back. I'd One year in. What, 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 yeah, it'd be a year, over a, a year, year old now. How's he doing? What other films has he watched? What are the, his impressions of those yes. films? How is his relationship to cinema in general? And, and to media and to culture. Like, I'd really, we'd love to know if you are, if you want to make it to be our LA correspondent. And if you want to send us a list of like 
three or four films and we can decide what would be a good next next watch we would love to break that down he, he could give you 10 films he's watched and a one sentence review of each one like we'd be we're just please. so curious we're fascinated so trevor in la if you're you, still listening if you are still listening we hope you are please your only hope um anyway what happens to the guy that had these i need i need an answer i need a top 10 yes mm. and cameron lastly says what were your guys thoughts on the last of us finale in regards to the hmm in the hmm scene I honestly was left disappointed by it. Mm-hmm. It was one of the few scenes I remembered from the playthrough of the game, and it was probably one of the most anticipated, the ones I was anticipated seeing live action. I urged my girlfriend to go and, to not to watch TikToks about it because it wanted to ruin it, mm-hmm. but just in case it was spoiled for her. Um, that was a heart-wrenching scene in the series, but I uh, I was expecting to be emotionally punched in the stomach, but I was left a bit under underwhelmed on that. Um, I see what you mean, Cameron, mm-hmm. in that I... I think the scene is better in the games. What I was surprised the way they shot that in the last of us finale, just, I know we're talking, the show finished like two months ago, but it's that they shot that sequence. They pulled back. They, they dulled the audio, didn't they? They played music and made yeah. it a montage. I agree. I think it would have been a lot more brutal and sparse if they shot it. Like I mentioned elephant earlier, like mm. a high school shooting, which is like stark, clear, no music, like making it really, really uncomfortable. But I think, I don't, you mean the kind of, I understand the logic of like, we're going to pair back and we're going to show Joel doing this thing. But it's like, mm, maybe that wasn't the right way to do it. Lastly, he says, I also love Scream 6 and I'm never forgiving Warner Brothers for making Harry Potter. You've, I like the way you've like, mm. in the way that people used to write letters in the olden days, you've carried a lot of correspondence in your, in your yes. note there. Thanks and kind regards. Maybe a spy, maybe not a spy. Cameron. Cameron. Good luck at that. This message will self-destruct in five seconds. <laughs> yeah. um, on that Last of Us note, uh, yeah, as, as I went through... There were a few scenes which I felt like didn't quite hit the same level mm. of the games. One of which being the Henry and Sam interaction, mm. which in the game is the way it's edited and the way the music cuts when Henry does that thing mm. after that thing happens didn't hit the same way mm. in the TV show. The, the the genius of that end moment in The Last of Us is that you, as a player, you have to do it. And that's what makes it a yeah. really, really difficult scene, regardless of whether or not you want to do it. You cannot finish yeah. it without doing that in part two which I, the yeah. more and more i know i'm not gonna go into it. in part two the the which i'm as i'm now thinking more about the show i'm so much more interested in them trying to tackle that beast than part one part one is a much cleaner linear story mm-hmm. than part two um that that scene in part two echoes as a terrible bad omen and is referred to many times oh, in part right. two from different perspectives and in dream sequences and it's it haunts like the imagery that mm. i didn't know was so uh burnt into my retinas is so, they, they're aware of that so much in part two mm. and i think it's interesting the stylistic choice they made in the tv show in part one to change that up and how that's going to affect part two I'm more uh, weirdly more interested in part, in part two and how they're going to do it, okay. how they're going to long it out. But yeah, an interesting series. That I think some moments didn't quite hit. Cameron, thank you very much for your email. That concludes our emails for today. Um, a very uh, interesting, exciting oh, one. As ever, you can write emails into hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. Emails, short or long, it's okay. Yep. Just make um, them good. Just make them good. And if you are going to be long, try and be concise. I feel like, Cameron, you were concise. You were to a point. But... Um, we will, and if there is a delay in getting around to them, we do get a lot. We do try and get through them, but they are always ever appreciated. They always put a smile I on remember. our face. Oh yeah, I love the emails so yeah. much. And tell us where you are. Yes, tell us where you are and where you're listening from, where you have listened to us, and yeah, and what you're doing when you listen. I'm always enjoying. James, those. it's quite personal. <laughs> 
Do we want to do that? Do we want to? Staring at you from outside. Yeah. I have, I listen to podcasts where they always assume that people listening are truck drivers. Like, yeah, you know, guys, truck drivers, pull over. Like, not everyone's a truck driver. No, absolutely not. Yeah, guys, thank you so much. Send those emails in. George, we have gotten to the end of episode 76. It's time to unwind. It's time to just sort of like crick the neck a bit, stretch out. You know, the captain's just said, uh, if you were going to be landing in London, you've thrown about approximately 35 minutes, me and Pam, uh, seat, I'll see you on if you like blah, blah, blah. You know, like yeah. the, the cabin's like, you need to pick the seat up. The lights, so that has to go away. The, the window, up. Sir? 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 I'm going to need you to put that away. You are screaming. <laughs> so just um, pop in your old little earphones, prepare. For the games. George, I have two miscellaneous games for you today. Just two. If you didn't know, I do these miscellaneous, we do these miscellaneous things. Yeah, if you're new to the show. I'll throw uh, a list of things that George has to get within a certain amount of time. I'm going to get my time out. Sure. Please feel free to playing along at home. Someone once told me that um, it's fun to listen to the games, not because they can play along, because sometimes it's too fast, but it has the same appeal of watching something like The Weakest Link. Yes. You know how that's quite quick fire, and sometimes you get them before them, but actually it's just quite fun to see someone else try and get them. Um, what am I doing? Get my clock out. Bear with, guys. How many seconds am I giving you to this one? I'm going to give you 30 seconds for this one. Okay, George. Are you ready? I'm ready. You have 30 seconds. Name 10 films with a Hans Zimmer score. Three, two, one, go. Gladiator. Um, uh, Batman Begins. The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight Rises. Interstellar. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean? Mm, not sure. Not Maybe. Sure. I think um, so. Hans Zimmer. Uh, oh, A True Romance. Um, Hans Zimmer, Hans Zimmer, Hans Zimmer, Hans Zimmer, Hans Zimmer, come on. Uh, Five seconds. Blade Runner 2049? No. Uh, Dune? No. Yes. Uh, Dune? Dune. Uh, Time. Oh, Time. God. They just vanished. Inception. Lion oh, King. God. Last Samurai. Lion King, that was John Williams, wasn't it? No. Hans oh, Zimmer. God. Famously Hans Zimmer. Last Samurai. Oh, God. And loads more. Oh, sorry. All right, George, are you ready? your next one i'm going to give you no you know i'm still going to give you 30 seconds for this okay all right are you ready in 30 seconds name 15 james bond films your time starts now uh, on her majesty's secret service um dr no golden eye the man with the golden gun gold finger um you only live twice um uh, uh um, tomorrow never dies the world is not enough Skyfall, no time to die um uh die another day uh the, the quantum of solace uh spectre um uh, 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 living daylights um and and uh, license to kill <sighs> Jesus you did well. Nice. Is that 15? That was 15. Oh. So I thought. Oh. <laughs> I'm so stressed. So I thought, I was like, 15 is quite a lot. That's one every two seconds yeah. to do it in time. And I was like, there are quite there are big films. And you could go through like the five Craigs and a bunch of Brosnan. So I had to sort of push you there, but you just made it with two seconds to spare. Well wow. done. Wow. Well. Well done. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Pop Kitchen. That's all the games we have for you today. Don't forget, we post new episodes of the show every Every single single Wednesday. Wednesday. And of course, as we say, guys, you can follow us and hope you are following us on Instagram and TikTok. And uh, that's the best way to keep up with not only clips in the show and additional content, but also to keep up up to speed with lots of things we're doing outside of the show, events we go to, things we're doing, really exciting news coming down. And just... 
help spread the word, like, subscribe, send a link to people. We really appreciate it. Share it in your story. It's all great. We really, really, really value it. Um, and that would be nice. Thanks so much for staying this long. We love you guys. Thanks so much. See you next week. See you next week.